Brian. 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 Uh, Jordan. Hello, Jordan. Brian, <laughs> you sound different, man. I, uh, well, that's because I'm not Brian. Oh. Oh. I think I know you. Yes. Yes, I'm Corey. Hi, Corey. Just kidding. I totally know you. And this, yeah, this is kind of a, a, a different starting to the However, Comma podcast. Corey, where is Brian? Why is he not here? Well, I believe Brian is somewhere on a cattle ranch in California. Oh, that's right. Well, because that's what he does. Yeah. Um, what do you know? Um, Brian couldn't make it to this session. Um, or rather, the administrators of However, Comma and Comma Podcast Incorporated. <laughs> yeah, they couldn't um, coordinate their time effectively this week. And so... Too many board meetings. Yeah, too many board meetings. And now the... Um, the time has come to record the podcast and there's not a time that works for both Brian and Jordan. So, um, Jordan was left to his own devices and he roped Corey into this and, um, he's excited to have Corey on because Corey is a resident expert in Corey facts. This is true. It is true. And, um, we're going to play a little game and, see how many Corey facts you can count during the duration of this podcast. And Corey is not prepared beforehand. Um, it's pretty off the cuff, but that's the game because Corey's pretty good at reciting Corey facts. That's the name of the game when it comes to Corey facts is making stuff up. That sounds real. How do you do it? Like what's your secret? If you dare divulge, my secret is that everyone else is an idiot and they're just easy to fool. Um, no, not really. That sounds really conceited. <laughs> um, my, I don't really have a secret. It's just it. These ideas come to me. I, I like someone will say something and I make some connection in my brain with some other bit of information and I can twist it and make it sound true. And it's not. So it's all in the delivery. It's, it, it's all in delivery, but you know, I think I would make an excellent propagandist. I could see that, you know, kind of like what's the guy V wasn't V the name of the dude for V and Vendetta. Yeah. Whatever. Mm -hmm. Kind of that, like behind a mask, but like delivering messages in a way that incited the masses. Yeah. Kind of in a way. Yeah. You can see myself doing that. Well, someone posited a theory once about, um, you and Corey facts and it was Erica and she essentially said, that you spout off things that it's not like you're intentionally misleading people. I think sometimes you do and you're just spouting off Corey facts, but she said that it's something that oftentimes it's, it just makes sense that that's how that would work. And you say it like you believe it because that's how it most makes sense in your head. <laughs> and that's, that's gotta be true as well. Yeah. And, but it just goes to show that everything that I, makes sense in my head and makes sense to other people and in, you know, reality. Until like someone can sniff out a Corey fact. Yeah. Until they sniff it out and they're like, wait, 
That's a Corey fact. That's a Corey fact. That's not true. And then sometimes I'll be like, no, but it is true. I promise. Because sometimes it really is. It's something that I've read. I, I just retain all kinds of random, you know, really useless facts in my brain. Speaking of that, actually, this has nothing to do with it. But if you could see Corey right now, um, you will you would see that he's got a gigantic beard. I'm not talking ZZ Top like beard, but it's a healthy man beard. Like he could be wearing, you know, mountain man garb and carrying fur pelts. You know, I'm at home wearing flannel. I'll say that. Yeah. It just, it suits him. It looks good. And I just want to talk to Corey about, um, beards and the history and you know how they've come back in fashion, like what they mean, what they represent for masculinity in some cases, femininity, who Hmm. knows, who knows, who knows? I guess someone knows, but we should talk about it. Tell me about beards, Corey. Well, well, first and foremost, let me just say that beards are not fashion. It's not an element of fashion at all. How do you how do you get by? Because it's not it's not like an accessory. No, it's not an accessory. It is literally a part of your face as a man that right. grows on your face. Now, all men's beards are different. Some men barely have a beard at all. Right. But you know the the beard it literally grows on me. It's not the the fashion is shaving. Shaving is the fashion. Shaving is the fashion. Yes. Or like the sculpting of the beard is the fashion part of it. Right. I mean, the sculpting it, trimming it, like shaving, modifying it in any way, that's fashion. Just a beard in general. People say that it, beards are in, beards are out. No, beards are always in. They've been in for hundreds of thousands of years. In. What does that mean, though? Like, I think in fashion is kind of a... Well, the true function, like fashions, what it's dependent on society or like the, the majority or the masses or what's on American idol or what Kesha's is doing or like how is fashion determined? Um, you know, I actually don't understand fashion very well. Yeah. And I think we could follow that up with another question and it may be offensive to some people, but who cares? Yeah. Well, <laughs> who I'm, cares about fashion? Well, well, fashion, I think I, I really get off where fashion and f- fashion and function come together. Okay. You know, Funch- functionally fashionable. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, I'm not all about, you know, some great pair of pants. Okay. But a good pair of pants is, is wonderful. Like I, I recently bought a couple of different pair of jeans and they're, one of them is raw denim. Okay. It's a good pair of jeans. Um, and the other is a pair of. Uh, Carhartt double knee work dungarees. Um, they're tan. Huh. It's a wonderful pair of pants too for working. Yeah. And it, but they, that's at the crossroads. Like, are they good looking pants? Yeah, they're well designed. Sure. But they're, they're more functional for me. It's all about what function does this clothing item serve? Well, and, yeah. And they do look nice. They look well done and professional. And, um, we're not sponsored by Carhartt, by the way. But would like to be. Yeah, I would like to be. So bring it on. Um, I guess what I'm referring to when I when I talk about fashion, quote unquote, is like what you read in fashion 
what you, I guess what I would assume you see in like a fashion magazine. Right. Or like, like the industry of fashion, like runway models walking down sure. and it gets real weird. It gets like, it borders on art and it borders on like other expressive. I don't know. Like yeah. Well, I'd of, say fashion is fashion is an art in of itself. It's its own category of art. Kinda. Uh, kinda. Yeah. Um, but a lot of it's like, like, I guess you could say with art, a lot of it's just, it's dumb. Like, I don't know how to phrase that, but it's, it's kind of like, well, um, you can just put a blank canvas up and put one pencil mark on it and that's art. Sure. Well, I mean, let's discuss what is art, you know, in my opinion, art is any creative work whose purpose, or at least one of its purposes is to elicit an emotional response in the person creating it and the person who's experiencing it or using the art. Okay. I I mean, I get that. And it, it it's no emotional response in particular, but it's got to be emotional. I mean, that's with, you know, runway models and things, people walking down, they, they're wearing some, you know, article of clothing and someone else is like, oh my God, that's awesome. It makes me feel amazing to look at you. You look so fantastic. Like derelict. Yeah, like derelict my balls. Derelict. I can derelict my own balls. Thank you very much. Well, like yeah. that 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 part of fashion, the the emotion, the art of it is not something I really connect with. Um, but beards. Yeah, let's let's bring it back. Bring it back we, to beards. We kind of got off on a tangent there. But let's say there's an element of that, you know, um, of, of function and form and. And art to it. Uh, one of the things about a beard that is um, functional that not many people realize, maybe. Does it catch food? Well, of course it catches food. <laughs> no. I'm talking about the a style, a fashion that also has a function. It's the handlebar mustache, the curly mustache. What is its function? Well, you know, it's like, you know, men, they put some grease or wax or something in their mustache. Right. And they twirl it, and it curls on the sides, right? It's that traditional handlebar. The purpose okay. of doing that is to get your mustache out of your mouth. Oh. That's it, a, that, I mean, that seems to make sense. It's the function it serves. So, like, when I do it, which is not all the time, it's usually when it gets a little longer, I'll start, you know, right, as soon as I get out of the shower, I'll put the wax in it because the hair is still soft and then it dries in that shape and it stays all day and it looks, you know, silly kind of, but... It kind of looks cool, too. It kind of like looks just, cool. You might say it fits you or, you know, certain people it fits. Right. I I mean, and that kind of gets back to fashion. No, it doesn't. Let's stop talking about fashion. Fashion's silly. It's a silly thing. Fashion is silly. But beards are rad. Beards are rad. In in my opinion, too, If I think every man should grow a beard as much as he can. Why? I just think it's something every man needs to experience because although you shave and you know what you look like, you don't really know what you look like until you've grown a beard out. Cause that's, hmm. that is what your face would look like if this were 10,000 years ago and you're a hunter gatherer and you're born, you know, you're anatomically act like same as modern humans and you just grow a beard. Interesting. Because, because you don't have razors to shave it off. You just do so, it. So you think that growing a beard is kind of like a connection to more primal roots? I'd say so. 
Like, for me, it is certainly interesting. So it's getting away from the whole like hipster, like, um, I mean, there, I'd, I'd say a lot of hipsters probably agree with me in that sense. Like that's what they, how they feel about their beards as well. And so it's, I, but I don't grow it for them. You know, I don't grow it for anyone. I, I right. just grow it for myself. And cause also cause it grows. What made you want to start growing a beard? I, I've wanted a beard since probably fourth grade. Seriously? Yeah. So my, my fourth grade teacher was a, a dude named Mr. Reeve, Reeves, something like that. And uh, part of the, the class, one of the things he did was over the course of the school year, he grew a goatee and then he shaved it off in class. So he started the year with no beard at all, grew a goatee. And then like halfway through, he's got this goatee and he just shaves it off in class, like brings in, you know, shaving cream and shaved it off in front of us. And, it was a real learning experience because all of us kids were just like, which, which class was that? I mean, it was fourth grade grade. You said fourth grade. Yeah. So it's just like, just my fourth grade teacher. Well, I did go to my elementary school education. I went to the nerd school. So I, I wonder what the learning objective was like, what was he? I don't I'm, think he was after anything in particular. I mean, just like fourth grade, you're about 10 years old, maybe starting to approach puberty and yeah, just kind of a reminder to all the kids. Hey, look, you're growing up someday. You're going to be able to do this too, dudes, guys in class. And that's the moment that you decided you wanted to grow a beard. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's the moment I knew that, uh, I wanted one. And then as I got older, um, junior high, high school, still the whole time I knew I'm going to grow a beard someday. You know, a... you know, what's interesting is I was always told that if I used a razor, that it would make my hair grow in, like it would make a beard grow faster. Yeah. It's, it, it's interesting. It's such a, like everyone knows that's not true. Everyone knows it, but it still goes around. And moms still tell that to their moms boys. Moms still tell that to their boys. And it's not true at all. I mean, hair growth is not affected by whether or not you cut it. Yeah. So, who invented the beard, Corey? Well, um, Mother Nature. There are a number of bearded animals. Um, Besides humans? Yeah, there are a few. There are pigs that have beards. There are uh, monkeys with beards. Uh, I know, like orangutans grow quite impressive beards. The males do. Hmm. Females might grow beards as well. They're bearded vultures. They're bearded turkeys. They're bearded dragons. Are the are there any bearded fish? Yes. Really? Of course. Where would you find a bearded fish? Um, the bearded sea dragon. Um, it's native to Madagascar. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. Yes. It's a beautiful, beautiful fish. Um, uh, it's kind of a, a bluish color and it has a, an impressive red beard. <laughs> <laughs> I call Corey fact. Uh-huh. Oh, okay. Cool. Um, so beards, they're cool. Mm-hmm. <sighs> wonder what Brian's doing right now. Not having a beard. He's not having a beard. He's grown a pretty decent beard, though, before. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hmm. What are those cookies? Can I have one? Hell yeah. They're even better when uh, dunked in coffee. Oatmeal cranberry dunkers with yeah. white fudge drizzle. Yeah, exactly. They're they're made by Trader Joe's. They're perhaps the finest cookies in existence. They for- smell like ginger snaps, kind of. Kind of. I mean, a little bit. They're, they're a crunchy cookie, but when you dip them in coffee... They soften up instantly, and it becomes like a fresh, out-of-the-oven, like, homemade oatmeal cookie. These are pretty dang good, man. Yeah, I know. That's why Erica bought them for me. But that's why I took them away from you, because you'd eat the whole thing if I let you. <laughs> yeah, I'm just standing here. And... Right, right into the mic. Right like into the I'm mic. doing. Yeah, just like you're doing. Well, let's shift gears a little bit. Beards are awesome. Sure. We get that. My beard, like, we didn't even really talk about my beard, but, like, I keep it, like, five o'clock shadowy kind of thing. Yeah, you, you, wear, a light, that and, you wear a light beard. Yeah. And largely the reason is because I hate shaving. I hate it. Yeah, it's, it's, shaving is the worst. It's the bane. I mean. It's one of the reasons I don't do it. I always tell people, you know, you know, the best thing about having a beard is. Never having to shave. Never have to shave. Never. And like, I guess, like on my face, shaving doesn't bother me that much. But when I get to my neck, man, it just like wrecks my neck. And it, I mean, I don't even think I have it as bad as some guys, but dude, sometimes it's just like razor burn, red rashy. I hate Mm -hmm. it. Oh yeah. Sucks. Itchy. I got, I would always get that same kind of thing too. That's the hard part, too, about growing out a beard is getting past the itchy phase. You know, you, you How many itchy phases are there? Just one. Just one? Just one. Really? Mm-hmm. It just lasts a while. That's true. The, you cut the hair, and the end of the hair, when you cut it, is you know, more or less square. And so, as the hair grows out, and once it, once it curls around and comes in contact with skin again, that end of the hair is still sharp where it's been cut. Yeah, and it's not it irri- like soft. Right, and it irritates the skin. In time, the the hairs will wear down and become finer. They kind the of split, end. like they split become, ends? They get split, but they become tapered. So they're thicker at the base, and they taper to a point. And that right. point is soft, and it doesn't irritate your skin. Yeah. So as soon as the hair, it just has to wear down. Um, some people, like some dudes, will put a bunch of conditioner in their face and their beard when that happens. And for me, it lasted... Last probably a month of, of torture. Torture, and then as soon as that month is over, though, you're you're home free. And then it's just uh, you know sit back and let the ladies flock. Oh, the ladies do like the beard. It's true. Not all of them, of course. Not all of them, yeah. But the ones that don't, I don't care about them. Oh, <laughs> go well, figure. They're not. They're not the ones I'm after. I'm uh, I'm after the the ones that enjoy the beard. Sweet. Well, let's talk a little bit. Um, let's talk briefly about plants. We're, sure. we're, we're nearing the end of spring and approaching summer mm-hmm. here in about, you know, 30 days, 25 days, whatever. Yep. You're a plant dude. I'm a plant person. You're what I call at, C, uh, at Carlos, the CGO, the chief gardening officer. That's correct. And you wear it with a badge of honor, I'd say like. You're that guy. Yeah, I enjoy it. 
Why? Like, where did that come from? Um, I'm not entirely certain why or how. Um, or can you pinpoint it to a time, like a certain time in life? I, I really, I, I actually have spent quite a bit of time thinking about this, and I'm not really certain why or how it just happened. I think I just started really liking them. Well, I, you know, I can, my earliest memories of you in high school and working out at camp, you didn't strike me as like a really, like you didn't geek out on plants like you do now. No, not, not at all. I didn't, I didn't care. Yeah. It seemed like you could have given two, two shits about it. Yeah. I didn't care. It, this, it wouldn't have been until my, my twenties for sure. Um, when I got home from my mission in 2007 my very first job um was driving a truck full of plants for j&j <coughs> driving a truck full of plants for j&j nursery and uh what I, I would just like arrive in the morning it was a box van so it was a big old van just packed full of mostly flowers like did you pack them sometimes yeah but usually i would arrive my truck was packed and then I would drive around the whole Salt Lake Valley delivering plants to, like, all the grocery yeah. stores and things. I did the same thing for Mountain State's plants. J&J's competitor. Right. The the not-as-good competitor. Probably the, not as good. That they also not. work with very closely. Sometimes. I mean, I don't know. They're, it's all pretty... I don't... Who's to judge flowers? I don't know. I just think that that's, the, all those families were really close. I think they lived, like, right across the street from each other. Yeah, they do. I think. I mean, it was. We we. I would drive over to Mountain State sometimes and, like, get flowers from them. Yeah, and then go deliver them. <laughs> well, my favorite thing about when I did that, my I just loved being. I mean, I know we're kind of talking about you and how you came to love plants and all that stuff. Sure, but from the get go, I was friends with the family there, so I was. Like, I'd go over there in, like, sixth grade, and we'd go into the greenhouses. Or, like, if we took a field trip, we'd go to the greenhouses. Mm-hmm. I love the smell of greenhouses. Right. It turns out what I probably like the smell of was all those crazy chemicals that they're, Jeez, like... no kidding. ...that they keep in the greenhouses. Like, I don't know, but, like, something about it. Super nostalgic for me. Yeah. Well, greenhouses always smell great, and it's because the plants purify the air. Okay. And they, they put off... You know, during the day, plants are putting off a lot of oxygen. And so you get in, like I'd get into my van in the morning or I'd, you know, whenever you walk through a greenhouse, you get kind of a a higher dose of oxygen than you'd normally get in a a space like your house or something. Yeah. I I mean, I just always love that. Mm -hmm. I I always like that too. Um, I I don't know if that's what really did it, but. I mean, I, I loved it. I mean, I I've almost felt like I was, when I get in my truck in the morning, like I was almost high, right? Okay. Like it was it was so good smelling. I just felt good all over. Okay. There's something about, like, getting connected back to earth and, like, to plants, I guess you could say, that some people, you know, I think they associate the outdoors with that kind of rejuvenation. Mm-hmm. Some people probably think of it more as like, well, I'm getting out and I'm doing activities and things. But I think, you know, I bet there's a big argument to be made for actually being around Earth as opposed to like manufactured materials, right? So Absolutely. We're, we're around 
I mean, every day we're around concrete, asphalt, brick, uh, wood that's been, you know, processed and Mm -hmm. steel and all these other materials that have more or less been touched by man and constructed into a way that, you know, works for us functionally and fashionably in our society. Um, but like getting out into nature where, you know, you still have some of those mad made man-made materials, like a tent, for example, if you're, let's take camping, for example, Mm -hmm. but by and large, you are just surrounded by not manufactured goods. Right. Like, so getting back to that feeling of, like you said, like being high, like being around plants or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. I wonder if that's kind of what draws people to nature like that. Just, I don't know. It's, it's multifaceted. I, I I'm sure, but, um, man, there are certain smells and just feelings that I get when you're out on a hike mm-hmm. that you don't get any other place, but it, they have a really profound impact on the psyche. I don't know. Oh, for sure. You know, one of the things I like to do just when analyzing any human behavior, like how is this useful to humans and although when you see someone do something detrimental to themselves in today's day and age you think how would this behavior would have, how would this have been useful 10,000 years ago and 10,000 is just the, the general range that I, I like to give but you know 10,000 years ago people spent all of their time outside I mean they, they had some buildings they had some structures um, certainly but it wasn't like it is today. You know, they spent their time foraging, hunting, gathering. You know, agriculture eventually came around, but still people spent their time outside rolling about in the dirt, handling dirt, handling plants, and you were sca- like you were scavenging maybe not all day, but you spent a lot of your time digging through the ground. Looking for food. Looking for food. You know, it might have been grubs you're eating, probably. A lot of insects, but... They were looking for leafy greens. Well, so I I think we're kind of touching on a recurring theme here of, well, I don't know. It kind of ties back to the whole beard thing and like getting in touch with our roots and our ancestry. Mm -hmm. And one of the themes that we've found recurring in however comma is kind of like, I don't know if Brian were here, he'd probably be like, well, it's all about balance and it's all about, you know, um, I don't know. All I can think of is balance. Cause that's all he was saying last time. Take sure. that Brian. Um, but, uh, yeah, just, just kind of knowing yourself. That's another theme we could touch on knowing yourself and getting in touch with who you are as a person. Uh, oftentimes we go throughout our lives just in a haze and like doing what we think we're supposed to be doing. But how do we really know what we're supposed to be doing? I mean, you can believe what you're supposed to be doing by what's been told to you, what you've been taught, what society puts out there every single day. But like without actually knowing yourself, how do you know if you're living in harmony with yourself? And this, to me, that that's kind of like a couple things we've touched on here. Like your beard, you don't, you don't know what you look like with the beard until you've grown a beard. Right. And in a way that kind of reconnects you with a past, like with your ancestry. Yeah. Which I, I don't know. I think it's rad. And then same with the nature thing, right? 
mm-hmm. we used to spend, or at least our species used to spend way more time in the wild. And maybe we miss some of, you know, being so removed from that or placed in society, we kind of miss some of that connection with our roots. Well, and we, we miss that connection with our roots and we're in, in a way we're disabling ourselves over time as well. You know, we're disabling by enabling. Yes. By enabling ourselves to do other things. Like I, I have a theory. I don't know how true this is. Um, but in developed countries, uh, like the United States, Canada, you know, UK, parts of Europe, uh, but in developed countries where people spend a lot of time indoors, children and well, everyone, the rates of people who wear corrective lenses is extremely high. Really? It's extremely high. It's over 50%. Why? What's your theory? I want to know. My, my theory is it's because babies, when children's eyes are developing in their early youth, are not spending enough time outside. Because when you're outside, you, you your eyes have to basically exercise to see infinite things that are, you know, infinite focal length. Like far distance. Far distance yeah. things and close distance things. And your eyes, the muscles have to change in between the two. But if you're not exposed to it, those muscles and that that part of the eyes won't develop in the same manner. Interesting. So, I I mean, there, I don't know if there's a way to prove this or not. But I, I would guess that children who spend a, more time outside in their very early, early youth, you know, the first one to two years, have better vision than people who don't. That's an interesting theory. But it's also, I mean heredity's got to play a part in it. Like my parents for what I know have decent eyesight. I mm-hmm. like and me and my sister don't we've never really had problems with it. Mine's kind of weaker and it gets weaker as I age. But you know, like I'm not wearing coke bottles like some people like you. Right. <laughs> I know. My my eyes actually aren't even that bad. My my vision's about 2200. So with corrected lenses, it's so, perfect, but right. But 2,200, what that means, um, you see at 20 feet, what others see at 200. Yes. Yeah. Huh? So, I mean, you can imagine without my, my lenses, my glasses or my contacts, I am, I'm blind. You're pretty, not, I yeah. mean, I'm not like legally blind. I should, so maybe I shouldn't say blind, but like you could stumble around the house. Well, not even stumble. I'd be fine. I can walk around near, near vision. Like you can see close, closely. I can, I can see closely. I can do a whole lot, but once it gets far away from you, it gets real blurry. Yeah, anything beyond about 18 inches from my face gets pretty blurry. I would never be able to drive without them. Hmm. I mean, I could, I could probably drive, but I would be so afraid to drive that I would never do it. Never. Yeah. That'd be terrifying. Yeah. It'd be, it'd be the worst. Huh? Interesting theory. Interesting theory, Corny. Thanks. Thanks. I really do think that one's true, though. I I don't know. There's no way it's not true. Well, I, yes, there is. <laughs> it, I mean, like, what else explains the, the, the decrease in vision acuity amongst people in developed nations? Well, I'd say there's probably insufficient data on that. I'll tell you what. It was vaccines. Vaccines are causing blindness in children. Okay, Jenny McCarthy. <laughs> thanks for joining us on However, Comma. Um, t- 
top your favorite conspiracy theory? Oh, God, where, you, to, where to even begin? If you have a favorite, I'd say um, the the best conspiracy theory is the biggest one, which is that the world is basically run by a sentient race of reptilian humanoids um, who've been alive for thousands of years, manipulating humanity through this is the, the most, monetary system. This is the most common one? Oh, man, it's the only one. It's the biggest one. Wait, sentient reptilian what? Oh, oh, yeah, reptilian humanoids. Have you not heard of this? No. Okay, there's this guy. You've got to check him out. His name's David Icke. Okay. His last name is spelled I-C-K-E. It's Ike or Ick. I'm not really sure. Maybe Icky. But he's, <laughs> Icky. <laughs> he's this British dude. Um, and he... you got to watch some of his videos sometime on YouTube. Just pull them up. He's interesting because he like just had this moment in his... I don't know how old he was in his 20s or 30s where he just suddenly like snapped and started believing in this stuff. Like that the world is literally run by the, a group of reptiles reptilian humanoids hmm. who can like shape shift and stuff and uh, like interdimensional shape shifting reptiles it's like it's so absurd but you listen to this guy talk this david ike and he is lucid he's clear doesn't seem crazy at all and then he talks about reptiles and you're like huh like how how are these two things connected in your mind? And it's almost like impressive, like <laughs> how insane it is. But he genuinely believes it too. Gen, he totally is legit. Like he believes, like convincingly, he is he is convinced, and right. so he is convincing. He's written a bunch of books it, too. It's like a Corey fact in a way. In a way, yeah. I, I mean, in that I believe my own facts, and so does David Ike. But David Icky, David Icky, he believes his own facts, quote unquote, is David facts. Right. And although I don't I don't particularly subscribe to that extreme interpretation of um, of conspiracy theories and like what, how the world runs. But I would say you take the reptiles out of it and you're getting pretty close. Well, or you replace the meaning of the word reptile. Yeah. Because, I mean, if you take that theory, that conspiracy theory, it is kind of snaky and sleazy. Oh, yeah. Totally. And I, I think the world, in a lot of ways, is manipulated by men with extraordinary power. You know, people who are extremely wealthy, have a lot of land, and they're able to manipulate governments or you know more than just people they're able to manipulate governments into passing laws that benefit them and make them even more powerful well it's like the citizens united um ruling by the supreme court which essentially if i'm not mistaken we should have a legal guide here aka landon you're right i hate that guy i know man Fuck landon seriously take that landon Fuck you <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. But Citizens United essentially said that speech, um, money is speech. Right. Right. So. And it, I actually agree with that money is speech. Okay. So you can agree that money is speech, but from an ethical standpoint, should money be counted as speech? Should uh, it be? Well, okay. And this, this is, 
this is my perspective on it. Money is speech and it should be counted as speech. I mean, money is a vote, you know, it's, it's a vote for a thing that you want. Okay. But the, the problem is that our monetary system is corrupted. It's, it's not functional in a way that speech can be actually represented through money. Well, I think the problem, like where, where this gets convoluted is like when you count money as speech, then it's unrestricted and protected by the first amendment. Yeah. Right. So like if it's speech, then you can't, I mean, with certain exceptions like obscenity and, um, incitement and whatever else is restricted under the first amendment, Yeah, you can't restrict it. I think that it should be it should fall under some of those restricted classes, right? Or like there should be limits at least on how much money can be spent for political favor. I mean, I I see where you're coming from and I I agree, but that that's me being a peon, like someone with no money relatively. But, But what's the point of being super wealthy? If you can't wave your dick around, if you can't push the world in a given direction because you're wealthy. Like what's the point of being wealthy at all? Obtaining goods or I mean like having the material resources to get again, you're thinking like a peon like we, I have, I work a job, you work a job. Why? So you can keep your house so you can eat food and stay alive like that. That stuff is the simple stuff. Money like the purpose when you get up into the upper echelons of society is all about power. And it's all about who has the most power like house of cards, like house of cards. Hmm. You know, I mean, the, there are people, you, do you know how wealthy some people actually are? Yeah. You know, you always hear that Bill Gates is the richest guy in the world. Bill Gates has $75 billion and he's the richest man alive. And although he's very wealthy, and I think there's like maybe one guy that's wealthier in Mexico, I've heard, and you know, all those things, they they pale in comparison to the wealth of dynastic families. Like the Rockefellers? Like the Rockefellers, like the Rothschilds, some of these other families where no one individual has, you know, holdings at $70 billion, like Bill Gates. But the family as a whole controls controls trillions of dollars, trillions. I mean, including the royal family of Britain. Fuck them, you know. <laughs> fuck the royal family. I just wanted to say that. Take that. A true I patriot. Just wa- I just wanted to say that because I don't want this to this podcast to ever reach the United Kingdom. So fuck the Queen. Well, and the horse she rode in on. It may reach that. So no, Corey's just a real patriot. No, I'm not. I'm not that either. <laughs> <laughs> but I just yeah, I hate Britain for some reason. Until I, you go there. Yeah, because it's really nice there. Yeah. But what, what were we out even talking about? Where were we? Oh, dynastic families. The Queen. Queen of England, the royal family of Great Britain. They own trillions. The world. They own trillions in assets. We're talking all, anything that's in the British Commonwealth. Um, they own all of the land that's in the intertidal zone. So, what is that? What's the intertidal zone? Uh, the tide from where, from high tide to low tide, along beachfront on the ocean, they own all of it. Just like that, be- and not, that not 
that that zone of beach everywhere. You know, in, okay, <laughs> like useless land. You mean like it's not all useless? That's an important part of any beach. Basically, they they own part of the beach. Okay, of every beach in the Commonwealth. That's Canada. That's why should the British royal family have more speech than me? They shouldn't. The British royal family should kill themselves. <laughs> Okay, but like for the case, like for the example, <laughs> Bill Gates, like what? I mean, whatever. Like, why should why should the Koch brothers have more speech than me? As just a you know, is speech like an inalienable right? Is that a well? I mean, how do they have more speech than you? They have more money than me. A you're, lot more. You're right. And. But, I mean, you can speak as much as you want. I mean, you, you are. You have a podcast. Yes. Um, but the the fact that they're wealthy... I mean... Spe- money's a form of speech. Like that, is, I think that's the whole... People, uh, people are entitled to what they work for. I believe that. If you work for something, you're entitled to have it. Okay, but like in... Like taking it back to these dynastic families... They didn't work for A it. lot of people didn't work for their money that Ex- they have. Except that they do. I'll tell you what, Rothschilds don't spend all of their time lounging about on, you know, beaches in various parts of the world. They're working. They're in boardrooms. They're, they're, you That's know, one making example. deals with Donald Trump. That's that one is, example. That I is mean, one example. For every example you give me of a working dynastic family, I could give you like seven of a non-working dynastic family. Yeah, it's probably true. Or at least like part of them who don't work like the Hiltons, for example, you know, Mm-hmm. some of the Hiltons work certainly. Right. But like the Kardashians, they're not a dynastic family, right? But the point, they still have a ton of money, not dynastic, but it's like, okay. So they just got famous and whatever. Yeah. I don't know. No, I see what you mean. So, yeah, that's, I don't know. I, I think getting back to, like, the whole conspiracy theory thing, go watch Zeitgeist if you haven't done that yet. It'll kind of blow your mind and make you wonder about 9-11 a lot. Yeah, Zeitgeist is, I love those movies. Um, the first one is kind of hokey, and the, the production value on all of them is very low. It's about high school. It's like, about high school level. Um, but the material's pretty good. The the second one, Zeitgeist Addendum, is better than the first. Uh, it focuses more on the monetary system, the but IMF it, and stuff. That talks about Federal yeah, Reserve, Federal Reserve, how money's created, where it comes from, why it's totally ruining the entire world. The concept of interest, yeah, how interest is evil. Um, you know, in Muslim society, usury or lending at interest is forbidden. Um, and amongst Jews, it is also forbidden. But you might also argue, like, I don't know. I feel like someone on the right wing would take the approach. Will say, well, "Look at look at all the Muslim countries. Like they're not as advanced, or like where we are these days." You know, uh, that may be true in a way. Um, but also, did you know that Muslim men are required? Well, not required, but um, the Prophet Muhammad. Um, said that men should grow beards. Is that why you're a Muslim? 
Uh, well, actually, they shave their mustaches, and I don't. Oh. So that's why you're not Muslim. Mm-hmm. Great job. Great job. Well, I think we've reached the point of the podcast where um, Corey and I do our best announcer, movie announcer voices, and then we will slowly, um, you know, lament Brian not being here. This summer, Brian isn't here. This summer, Brian is lost at a wedding. This summer, kid seats are just five bucks. Five bucks. Five bucks. Five bucks. This summer, coming to a theater near you, a family film you'll never forget. Raider Joe's crystallized candy ginger, sweet and spicy. Trader Joe's oatmeal cranberry dunkers with fudge drizzle. This makes it sound like we're a Trader Joe's family, and we're really not. We're and we're not sponsored, really. I'm just we have a bunch of Trader but, Joe's but stuff would like here. To, would like to be sponsored by Trader Joe's. I don't have anything else to read. Or I here we go. Ingredients. Enriched flour, wheat flour, niacin, reduced iron, thiamine, mononitrate, riboflavin, folic acid. Yeah. How, how was that? Well, how was it, the cadence? Oh, it wasn't as good as like ingredients, dried ginger, sugar, sulfur dioxide for freshness. White fudge coating, palm kernel, and palm oils. Way 